Brandy Gar is a luxury event planner, thought leader, educational speaker, and host of the Wedding Pro CEO podcast. She's passionate about teaching wedding industry entrepreneurs her exact strategies in growing two six-figure event businesses. And today, we're talking about how you can be a confident CEO and also how you can grow your business using Instagram Reels. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, a podcast all about business tips, inspiration, and confidence building. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, the host of this podcast, and after over a decade as a photographer, I now help talented photographers run sustainable businesses. And for full transparency, you should know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I will probably mention some of those in this episode. Hi, Brandy. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I always love getting to talk all things real. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And I'm just so curious to get to know you better. So I want to know about you and your background and how you got into being an entrepreneur and business coach. Yeah. So I actually started my wedding planning business in Orlando, Florida, almost 16 years ago now, which feels insane to me. But I started after being a corporate event planner and really found success quickly. I don't take that for granted, but you know, we kind of exploded very, very quickly. I think it had part to do with the fact that I was of the marrying age myself. So a lot of our friends were getting married and things like that. And really just kind of taking quick action. But about seven years into our business, I kind of started to feel not kind of, I was completely overwhelmed by really the success that I kind of had always wanted. And so it just felt like every single decision I had to be part of. And so there was this overwhelming feeling of I could never take a break from my business, not even a vacation, but even just a couple hours because everything that happened in our business had my fingerprints on it and I had to be part of it. And I started to think, this is not what I want for the rest of my life. This can't be what it feels like to finally get the success. I started really kind of trying to figure out, okay, there has to be a better way to do this. And so it took me quite a few years, but I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what it looked like to build a team that didn't need you to tell them what to do every day, what it looked like to build profit into your business and for your business to really run without you. And so, now that's what I teach to wedding pros. And I am so incredibly passionate about helping people to understand that you don't have to be overwhelmed all the time to run a successful wedding business. And I think that's almost become like a standard in our industry is that, you know, the most stressed out person at a networking event must be the most successful. And I'm just determined to break that stigma. So I love getting to teach wedding pros how to build their business that way and how to pay themselves and to be profitable and to take vacation from their business to grow multiple revenue streams. And so it's just been really exciting. Yeah, it sounds that. And I'm sure so many people can relate to that whole, I have to do all the things. If I don't do it, then, you know, it doesn't really count if someone else does it for me and uh, I'm supposed to work 24 seven. I'm a wedding photographer, so I can't take any weekends off during the summer, all those things. And it's just, it's ruining so many businesses. Yeah, it really is. And 
you know, it's not sustainable. It's so surprising to me. I mean, I guess it's not surprising because I went through it myself, but it's just so enlightening when I start talking to wedding pros and there's the ones who look the most successful from the outside are the ones who really are the most burnt out. And it's just because there's no light. Like they're kind of like, I can't stop juggling all the balls or they're all going to fall down around me. And I remember that feeling so well. And it's just so important to realize that that's just not sustainable long-term, nor would you want it to be. I mean, do you really want to miss out on so much with your family and your friends to run a business that doesn't even pay you? It just doesn't make sense. And when you say it to somebody like that, they're kind of like, yeah, I could see how that makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, so it's, it's a really fun journey. I really enjoy getting to see my students' eyes kind of just light up when they realize, wow, it can be different. And this feels so great. I can. And I also think that it's important to note that you don't have to start out in that overworked way where you're not charging. You're allowed to start off and do things I almost want to say the right way, but in a sustainable way, you don't have to burn yourself out before you make a switch. A hundred percent. Yeah. The ideal situation would be that you build your business from the beginning without the overwhelm and paying yourself. But I know that there's so many wedding pros who are like, okay, now I'm in it and I'm stuck in it. And now what do I do? So yeah, it's a fun journey. Yeah, definitely. So you've thought a lot about what a sustainable business isn't, but what do you think it is? How does it look and what does it take to run a sustainable business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a sustainable business requires that you as the CEO get paid a salary that has nothing to do with how many events you take. And so when I say that, what happens is a lot of times I will start working with a business owner And they're like, no, I do pay myself. And they're very, very proud of that. As am I, I'm like, hey, listen, first step is the fact that you pay yourself at all. The challenge is that their salary is tied to the number of events they personally take. So when they're listening to me and they're like, I really want to start an additional revenue stream, but I'm, I have so many events, there's no way that I can. Or I want to hire a team, but I have so many events myself there's no way that I could possibly take time to train them. And the issue is that if they take less events, they actually can't pay themselves as much. And that's because their packages weren't built for profit. And so a lot of times what I see is that they're paying their associates way too much. That's like, oh my gosh, that happens all the time. And so there's no money built in to pay them just to be the business owner. And I say just, But like as the business owner, you have such a huge role. You have to do the marketing, the networking, the insurance, the team building, you know, like there's so much, the HR, the payroll, there's so much that goes into that. And we forget to pay ourselves a salary just for doing that. And so a sustainable business is one that pays you to be the business owner. And then if you also still want to take weddings, that's great. You can pay yourself even more for taking those weddings. But when the time comes that you don't want to work every weekend or you don't want to be on site for every event, you want to start either coaching or speaking or doing rentals or you know any other additional revenue stream, you have the ability to do that because you're still getting paid to be the CEO of your business outside of the number of events that you take. So I would say that's what a sustainable business is. And that's the number one thing I see that wedding pros don't do is they don't pay themselves to be the business owner. 
So you tie it back to having a team and multiple revenue streams. Absolutely. I tell and as they want to work with me, the very first question I ask is, do you realize that to build a scalable, sustainable business, you have to build a team? And the reason I ask that is because, listen, there's nothing wrong with being a solopreneur, but as a solopreneur, you're not building a business, you're building a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do and you want to just plan weddings or be a DJ or whatever for as long as you want to, and then at the end of that time, you close your business, that's great. But if you're a solopreneur, there's nothing to sell at the end of it. Your revenue is always tied to the amount of hours you can give to your business. There's a cap on your revenue, basically. So it's not scalable. And you can't ever take a vacation from your business. Well, I mean, obviously you can, but you're not making revenue while you're on vacation. And so that makes a big difference. You absolutely can do that, but that's not what I teach. I teach scalability and sustainability. And so to do that, you do have to have a team. And of course, I follow you on Instagram and you talk about being a confident CEO a lot. Can you just define CEO and scaling for us, please? Yeah. So I think that there's a big difference between, I always liken it to say, it's when you go from being a player to a coach, you know, that's really what that CEO role is, is when you first start your business, you are a solo and then you might add a team member, add a team member, but you're still very much in it. I think about it like a baseball team. It's like you're still playing second base. You're still covering second base. At some point, you've got to leave the field and you've got to be the coach. And that means that the bigger your team gets, the more your focus needs to be on training them and on growth of your business, on being more that coach role where you now know the strengths and weaknesses of all your players, who to put where on your team. You need to be able to see what the other team is doing. Like you need to be able to see your competition. You need to be able to see what's coming next, what growth opportunities are coming, what social media platforms are going to need your attention next. So really when you step into that CEO role, there's a really huge mental shift where you go from being that player and being involved in the day-to-day all the time to really seeing your company from a top-down perspective and being able to see where you need to add a team member or where you need to really focus more efforts for growth. And so it's so interesting to me when I have a student that really starts to make that shift because there's a lot that goes into it with the mindset. It's not just understanding that you are the CEO of your company and your role now is to be that coach. What's interesting is there's a really big guilt factor as well that kind of comes into play because all of a sudden your days are not made up of constant client meetings and timelines and running around on the wedding days. Your days start to be made up of networking events or white space on your calendar to actually like dream and vision and plan, or you're doing financial planning. And so you start to feel less busy and more productive. And that's the goal. But there's a guilt factor that comes in where you think, oh, well, I'm not doing enough. And what you need to realize is that when you take that leap from player to coach is that that's actually what your business most needs from you. Because if you're so busy with the day-to-day and the minute details of your business, you're not thinking about growth and vision planning and finance planning and team development. You can't think about those things because you're so involved in the day-to-day. 
but there is this really, really big guilt factor that I've seen with every single one of my students and myself included that you go from being busy to being productive. And it feels like you should still be busy, but you shouldn't. Yeah. That busy, that is such a, I don't know. It's like a lot of people think that that's what they should be. They just have to be busy and they look at others and they see that they're fully booked and they think like, oh, wow, I want that to be me as well. And they think that fully booked means that their calendar is completely full. And I think that's such a dangerous road to take because before you know it, you will reach that burnout because you don't know when to say it's enough now. Yeah, you don't know when to say it's enough. And I mean, we only get one life. And so the ability to be able to enjoy being a business owner and enjoy this life with your family or your friends or travel, whatever it is that you want to do, it's important that you can really do both. And what I want people to hear too, though, is there is a hustle stage of your business. I talk about this a lot on my podcast. On episode 100, I talk very specifically about be careful not to get caught in the trap of where if you're new to your business and you're listening to somebody like me that's been in business for 15, 16 years, my business looks different because I went through that hustle stage. We built the systems, we built the scale in our business. So I personally don't work weddings anymore. I have two this entire year and that's on purpose. But I mean, I had to hustle the hell out of my business, you know, in the beginning. And so really it's important to understand what stage you're in so that you don't compare where you are to somebody else that's in a different stage. I think that there's a lot of coaches online and myself included. I try to be careful about this, but that say, you know, yeah, I don't work weddings anymore. Like I don't go on site anymore. I don't take clients anymore, but I'm in a different stage. And so I try to be really careful about telling people that are in, you know, that first five years of business, I'm like, listen, you should be everywhere. Like you should be everywhere. Every minute of your time should be on growing and scaling your business. And so I think there is definitely a stage of business where you should be hustling and you should be hustling hard. But then you need to get into that CEO phase where you start to phase yourself out of the day-to-day and start focusing on growth. Yeah. So if a photographer wants to do better in their business, how do you think that they can succeed? How can they make it? So tell me more about better. What would you define as better? Because I think it's different, right? For everybody. It is better. I'm thinking of making more money because a lot of photographers, they are barely getting by, constantly working, I would say undercharging and not really feeling that they can turn down the work that they don't really want to do, but they just think like, oh, it's work. So I have to say yes. (laughs) I think the first thing that I would tell any wedding pro, so photographers, this is a great example, but really for any wedding pro, the very first thing I work on with a student is your packages and profitability. And the reason for that is because more often than not, what I see is that your packages are not built for profit. You kind of like shop some other people in your market. And you heard what other people were charging and you were like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll charge that or slightly less or slightly more based on what you wanted to do. And so you never really looked at your packages to see if they were profitable, how many hours you were spending on that. And so what I end up seeing is that a lot of times your base level package, like your most commonly booked package is actually fairly profitable, but your higher end packages are your least profitable. 
And what I find funny about that is that the reason that happens is because let's just say, for instance, that your base package was, I don't know, $3,000 and your highest level package was $10,000 or or no, let's just say it's 6,000, right? And you're like, oh, I want that $6,000 package. I want that one because that's double the money, right? Well, when you break it down to how many hours you spend on each of the packages, not just your shooting time, but all the editing, all the things that you include in the package, because your big package usually includes like album credits and things like that. You're actually making significantly less than you would if you just took the $3,000 package. More often than not, I see that across the board with wedding pros. And I find that funny because what the problem is you try so hard to book that higher end package, but you're making less money you're making less money per hour. And so then at the end of a busy season, you're like, why is there no money in my bank account? Well, because you didn't charge enough and you don't have enough hours in the day. So it's really, it comes down to looking at all of your packages, knowing what you're billing out at an hourly rate, knowing exactly how much time goes into each one, how much cost goes into each one. And I break that down with my students very first thing. Like it's the first thing we always work on because if you don't have profitability, there's a lot that can go wrong with your business. And that's really needs to be the first focus. So when any wedding pro says that to me, and especially a photographer, I would say to you, let's look at your profitability. Let's make sure that each of your packages is profitable in the same way. And then let's scale up from there. Once you know that each of your packages has the same profit coming off of it, no matter what, then it doesn't really matter what package you book. And so you're not pushing so hard to book that higher end package it really doesn't matter which package you book. So, and then the other thing I would say is that, especially because photographers, it's a creative art, right? You know, a lot of photographers are like, well, I have to be the one that's shooting. I have to be the one that's shooting. And I 100% disagree with that. I see photographers all the time that have associates that work really well within their brand. And I think that's a great way to train up other photographers to train them on exactly how you shoot, how you edit, and to really build up a successful brand. So I think that associate photography is a must, (laughs) is a must. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear your perspective because I don't think a lot of people think like that. I think that I especially hear this a lot because I talk about outsourcing editing, because I think that's something that will free up your time so much. And I get so much resistance on that because it's like, but I like to do it or, but it's my images and I want to be the creative one. And I completely understand that, but I don't think it takes away from the work you do or the final control you have over the images just because someone else is editing. And I think it's the same if you decide to have an associate shooter, that's their weddings or shoots or whatever it is that they do. And you can't do everything anyway, so you might as well just hand something off to someone else because if you're getting more inquiries than you can handle anyway, or if you're setting up your business in a way where you're trying to get more inquiries than what you want to take on and focus on building your business, then, I mean, what's the harm in doing that? You can still be a creative. A hundred percent. You can still be a creative. And I would say I always push back and my challenge is, okay, well, let's just decide now, are you building a business or is this a job? And either answer is fine, but let's define it as what it is because you aren't building a business if the business solely relies on you showing up. That's not a business, that's a job. And that's okay, like I said, but let's define it as what it is so that we can start working within those parameters. 
I think one of the other things that I see, especially with photographers, is that you have to realize that at the end of your career, because there is going to be a point where you're like, I don't want to shoot weddings all the time. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Or that you just want out of the industry. What is there to show for that time? If there's nothing sellable at the end of it, is that okay with you? And 100%, some people would say, yeah, that's okay. At some point, I'm just going to get out of the industry. And that's fine. But as I have now been in the industry for 16 years, and I see people that were in the industry before me that are kind of ready to make an exit, I see so many business owners that never built their business for scale, and they want to exit the industry, but their complete and total income for their household relies on them still showing up for weddings. And they're tired and they want out and they don't have an out because they've done weddings for 20 years. You know, as a photographer, I I can think of one in my market in particular, and it makes me sad because I think you have to keep showing up. And I don't think that's, well, that's not a business, right? So I really want you to think about that. And as a young photographer, you don't think about the end of your career. You don't think about when you're going to want out, but there will be a point where you don't want to continue showing up for weddings. And so you have to build that associate photography program. It's so important to do that. Yeah. I think that's a very important point. And I think it's something that most don't think about at all. So I think it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this. Brandy will be right back, of course, but I just wanted to thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would take the time to leave a rating and review for this podcast, that really helps to keep it going and to make sure that you get a new episode to listen to every week. Thanks so much. Well, actually, when I asked you if you wanted to have this talk with me, you said that you most wanted to talk about reels. And I know that you mentioned reels a lot in your own podcast as well. So what's the deal with reels? (laughs) So funny because I do talk about reels a lot. But it really is such a small portion of what I teach, as you can tell, right? I get quite passionate about profit. So reels, I think just in general, I would say now, short form video is really just the next iteration of marketing. It's not any longer, if you have time or if you want to do video, you must be doing video. And I say that really confidently now because two years ago when I started teaching on Reels, when they very first came out, I would say Reels are where it's at. That's where it's going to push up the algorithm. Now, it's not just about the fact that like it's going to push up the algorithm. It's really becoming the way everyone consumes marketing. Every single social media platform has short form video now. So it started with Mm -hmm. TikTok. And then then it went to Instagram. Now it's on Facebook, YouTube, YouTube shorts. YouTube has shorts now, which are one minute videos. Pinterest, LinkedIn, they all have video. And now it's a necessary piece of your business. And I know photographers hate to hear that. You know, so many photographers are like, give us our Instagram back where we could post pretty pictures. But the cool thing is that as a photographer, I mean, you still have that eye for amazing creative work. And so being able to create gorgeous reels just out of the photos that you have is definitely an option. I create reels all the time out of my photographer's photos. And so that's a really easy option. But yes, short form video is here to stay. And it's a necessary part of your marketing for 2023. And 
it is true because most photographers I know as well, they're really hesitant when it comes to anything video and it's all about photos. But when I think about it, I think like, okay, so if you can only post photos as part of your marketing, what does that say for any other kind of industry that are using photos? Because it's like, that's just a medium. You can still talk about photography and show your photography, even if it's in a video setting, like showing behind the scenes or talking about how you work or whatever it is you want your client to know. So I'm struggling a little bit to understand it, although I do understand that it's a matter of like showcasing their work. But mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many ways you can do that. You can still have your website filled with your still photos and to be able to, to show that. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, you can still have all of your still photos on your website. I mean, y'all, photographers have the most gorgeous websites. Like you guys have, you know, such great creative talent. And obviously you've got beautiful images. But one of the things I think is a huge miss with wedding pros in general, but with photographers is our clients don't want to just see your work. They want to know more about who you are or who your brand is. And they want to learn. They want to understand that in addition to you having gorgeous images, that you also understand and know a lot about how the wedding day is going to flow and the best lighting and all these kind of things. So doing educational reels is really, really where it's at. And so being able to do educational reels with your face to the camera so they can get to know you or your associates and be able to give them tips on the best time for photos, you know, or how to capture the best sunset photos or five poses that you can do at your engagement shoot or five must have photos that you need to get with your bridesmaids or why you should do a first look or not. There's just so many things, what details you should have for your photographer when they arrive. There's so many things that you can educate clients on that pose you as an expert And then, you know, show your still images in your carousel posts or on your website, but your reels you can use as education. And I think it's really a lot of fun to be able to do that. And it poses you as that expert that they're looking for. I agree so much. And it's something that I talk about a lot as well, where I know that most photographers are kind of thinking that they're going to get booked based on their photos alone. Like that's enough, but that's not the case because most people would choose a photographer based on personality or price, which we're not going to talk about right now, but based on their personality and that they feel like they already know you and they trust you and all that stuff. And to be able to do that, you have to show up and you're going to be such a stronger presence if you're showing up on video as compared to just photos, which you should also share photos of yourself, by the way. But of course, I mean, as a photographer, yes, you should be showing still images, but, you know, I try to encourage my students to go to kind of use the ratio of in an ideal world, I'd love to see you posting at least, at least two reels per week, though three to four is ideal. And then throw in one to two carousel posts during the week. Anything else is really not going to get you the traction that the post is even worth, you know, as a business owner, you have a limited amount of time. And so you want to make sure that you're getting the most return on your time, return on investment. And so when you're posting on social media, I would encourage you to make 60% of your content reels or video, and then, and then carousel posts from there. 
but really anything else is just not going to be worth your time in creating. And so, yeah, so that's what I would do. Yeah. What do you think it takes for a reel to actually be effective? I mean, how often they have to be posted is one thing, but what should they contain and how can we make them good enough for them to be worth our time? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would tell you is if you're already doing social media at all, if you're spending any time posting on Instagram, which I'm sure most of you are, Mm -hmm. I think it's about 20%, but you're going to get about a 20% or more return from any reel that you post. Even if it's not good, you're going to get way more return from that reel than you would get from any other post you're putting on your platform. So the first thing I would say is just because you make it a reel, just because you post a reel, you're going to get a better return than even the time you're spending there now. But if you're really looking to maximize what your reels are going to do, I would say a couple of things. One, always use good lighting. I mean, photographers, you guys already know that, right? So don't post junky lighting pictures or video. Always make sure you have good lighting. Have fun with it. I think that's really, really important. Have fun with it. And the last thing I would say is to post as much educational content as you can. It's really surprising to me how much better educational content does than like gallery sharing. I do think that there's a time and a place for gallery sharing. I would say once a week, we probably post a reel that is mostly just pictures, right? From a real wedding. But for the most part, we're posting educational content. We want to educate our audience and be known as the person who can fill the pain point because At the end of the day, the only reason you should be posting on any social media platform is to increase your business. If you can increase your sales from that platform, that's what you want to be doing. And what is sales? Sales at the end of the day is you being able to provide a solution to someone's pain point. That's sales. So what you want to do is you want to pose yourself as the expert that can provide the solution to their pain point and they want beautiful images. So how are you going to do that? Really just think about What are the questions your clients are asking you all the time? Should I do a first look? What time should my ceremony be? Should we do family photos before the ceremony or after the ceremony? Should I have an even number of bridesmaids and groomsmen? I mean, stupid questions that they ask us all the time, right? And not stupid, but they're the same questions over and over. And so think about those questions and just answer them in a reel. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that you want to think of when you're trying to come up with real ideas. Just try to think of, okay, what are questions I'm being asked? What are hesitations that my clients are having before they're ready to book me? Is that the kind of things that you consider pain points and to be kind of like real opportunities? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's a couple different ways I would tell you to never run out of content. One of them is to have a note in your phone Ours is called topic ideas. And anytime a bride or groom or a couple asks us questions that we're like, oh, we've gotten that question a lot of times, we will write that down and we'll make a reel out of it. The other one is to use a website called answerthepublic.com. And Answer the Public is a great website. It's free and you can go on and you can just type in like wedding photography and it'll tell you the top asked questions in the last 60 days on wedding photography that have been searched online. And it's really cool because I tell my students all the time, I'm like, go on answer the public, type in what you do, and then just start making reels to every question. Literally just answer the question in a reel. And you know, that's being searched. So it's going to help you come up and search really easily. So I love answer the public as well. That's what I think of sometimes when I think of reels, like, oh, it's going to take me so much time. Um, do you... <laughs> 
does it take you a lot of time? Do you have any techniques you use to speed up the process or does it just take a lot of time and it's worth it anyway? No, I would tell you it shouldn't take a lot of time. I only teach how to make reels that take you five minutes or less. So there's so many fun reels out there that have all these transitions and all these things. And I think those are fun, but I believe as a business owner that you need to get the most ROI from it. And so if you spend an hour making a reel, I don't think that's a great ROI because you're just not going to book enough business from that one reel to spend an hour doing it. And we don't have that kind of time, right? I honestly, I actually just did a TikTok about this yesterday. I was saying, I don't even know why people are still fighting short form video because it is so much faster to make than posts because you can literally be driving and start talking to the camera at a red light. You can be making a cup of coffee and start talking to the camera. You can literally be doing anything and just start talking to the camera and give a tip. And it does so much better. You don't have to go into Canva and create some beautiful graphic or pick a perfect picture and then write this beautiful caption. Like just talk to the camera. And this is a piece of advice I would give you too, is people say, oh my gosh, I just get so nervous when the camera comes on. One, I did too. I still do when I go on TikTok because TikTok is a different beast and I still get kind of sweaty when I start to make a TikTok. But so I get it. I can empathize. But I would tell you to really think about, literally just think that you're at a consult and the couple sitting on the other side of the table just asks you a question and you're answering it. And talk to the camera like you're sitting in a consult talking to a couple or to one of your couples you already have. Like if you're giving tips on how to have a great engagement shoot, pretend like you're talking to one of your already booked couples that just asked you like, hey, do you have any tips for us to have a great engagement shoot and start talking? And it just makes it so much easier. I do very, very little content that's not video. Any content you see that comes out from me that is not video, I didn't create it. My social media manager did. (laughs) I do not create any content myself that's not video. I just think it's so fast and easy. I can be in car line picking my kids up from school and just make a video and post it. And I didn't have to like get out my computer or, you know, really be sitting at my desk. So it's great. Oh, that's really interesting. And did you just say that you don't really need much captions for reels? You know, it's not that you don't need much captions. I think that the trend is that people are getting away from longer captions. Also, because in the real, you're telling them what you wanted to say, right? So I would say to make sure you always have the captions on your reel, meaning like, you know, that the words are coming across the screen as you're talking, which Instagram and TikTok both auto-generate. So they're super, super easy to do. And then in my actual caption beneath it, I'm usually just giving a call to action, like either click the link in my bio to learn more, double tap if you agree, save this post for when you're engaged, share with an engaged friend. My caption is really more used for a call to action. You make it sound really easy and you're really making me think that I need to kind of step up my game here and start getting into (laughs) into making reels (laughs) well I mean I do sometimes I get it that I think I'm making it sound like it's overly simplified but I think if you start watching if you were to spend a couple hours either on TikTok or Instagram and just look at the kind of video content that's coming out you'll start to realize that the content that you actually like is likely someone 
just sitting in their car or pouring a cup of coffee and talking to the camera. Most people don't enjoy the content that's like so polished and so perfect and so overly produced. You really enjoy the content where somebody's just telling you something about their life or telling you something you need to know. And so it sounds overly simple, but it actually is that simple, really. I think that's really important to know because I think that's going to help the photographers who are listening to this to maybe think about it in a different way and to get started and to make some reels that can help them to see a difference in their business. Because I know a lot of people are spending a ton of time on Instagram and not really getting much in return. I think that's true. I absolutely do. I will say Instagram is our number two booking resource at this point for my planning company behind referrals. And we do a lot of business from Instagram. We do a lot of business directly in the app. One of the things I would tell you is if you're looking to book more business from Instagram, which should be the only reason you're there, right? <laughs> so if you're looking to book more business from Instagram, I would say a couple of things. One, always make sure there's a call to action on every single post, every single post, every single post. The worst mistake I see people make is that they make a beautiful post or even a reel and there's no call to action. They just say like, look at that sunset. And you're like, okay, I looked at the sunset. Now what do you want me to do? You know, instead use the same reel or the same photo with this beautiful sunset and say, Michelle and Chris had the most amazing sunset photos on their wedding day. We loved getting to capture them in that golden light and then educate them. Say something like, if you're looking to get photos like this, DM us sunset and we'll help you decide what time your ceremony should be to get beautiful golden sunset photos like this. And then somebody DMs you sunset and you say to them, Hey, tell me about your wedding. Where's your wedding? When is it? what day. And then you look up the sunset time and you help them figure out their ceremony time. Now you've gotten into a conversation with them and you can say like, did you already book your photographer? And if they haven't, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'd love to talk to you more about your photography, blah, blah, blah. If they're going to take the time to get into your DMs, they're interested in what you're talking about. And so always have a call to action, even if it's just save this poster. The easiest one's just double tap if you agree, you know, or double tap if you loved Catherine's veil as much as we did. But that helps your engagement. And so you really want to make sure that there's always a call to action on every single post. And then the other thing is when they do come into your DMs, please, please turn off your auto responses. I hate that that's even a thing on Instagram. It's so rare that people use it, but on the off chance that you do, what I see most often is wedding pros that will have an auto response somebody DMs them. And then you get an automated response that says, thank you so much for contacting our company. Our hours are blah, 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 blah. If you're interested in working with us, please go to our website. I'm like, why would I go to your website? I'm literally right here in your DMs. I want to talk to you now. Yeah, I know. I get a little bit, I'm not going to say annoyed, but. Oh, I get annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of bothers me too. If you have an Instagram account and you're using one of the kind of like, lines in your bio to say, please don't contact me on Instagram, go to my website. It's like, yeah, but you're missing out on so many people who would just be ready to book you or want to just know a little bit of information right then and there. And you're kind of turning them away. It doesn't make them feel welcome. It adds friction. They're likely working from their phone, especially on Instagram. They're likely on their phone. Now they've got to go to your website, navigate your website and figure out how to contact you. No, talk to them right there. And the cool thing about Instagram is in your DMs, you can add a link. 
You can voice memo. Oh my gosh, we love the voice memo feature. Like it's the best way to say, let them hear your excitement. Let them hear you say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're planning your wedding. Tell me about how you got engaged or how did you choose your venue or what made you pick this date? Like let them hear your excitement in your voice. It goes so far. And then let them book a consult with you right there in the DMs. You know, like why do they have to go to your website? Just let them book a consult or have a consult right there in the DMs. We've done that too. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. And uh, I know that a lot of people will have heard a lot of things that they can take away with them after hearing you talk about this. So I really appreciate that. And I want to ask you what you would recommend doing to build a sustainable business. Yeah, so I would say I would first look at your profit. So we talked about that. I would look at your profitability. I talk about profit a lot on my podcast. So I would say, come over to the Wedding Pro CEO podcast. I have several episodes very specifically about how to know if your packages are profitable, how exactly to break them down. So I'd say the first thing I would do is make sure that you're making enough profit to pay yourself as the business owner, as the CEO, regardless of how many weddings you do personally. And then the second thing I would say to do is to start looking at what it would look like for you to build a team. What's the first step that you need to do? And it's different for everybody. It might be that you outsource your editing. It might be that you outsource your social media. It might be that you go ahead and bring on an associate photographer or a studio manager. Like there's lots of different things that you can do, but that's different for everybody. And so, yeah, those are the first steps I would do. Yeah, perfect. That sounds great. So you've given us so much advice and it's been really great. So I'm sure that whoever's listening wants to keep learning from you and to hear your podcast where do they go? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called the Wedding Pro CEO Podcast, and it's for all wedding pros and it's all business related. So we talk about the business of your business and how to become the CEO, how to build a sustainable business with scale, without the overwhelm. So I would say pop over to the Wedding Pro CEO Podcast and then DM me on Instagram. I always love it when people come over and DM me and say, oh my gosh, I heard you on such and such podcast. So come over and DM me, say hi, let me know you heard this podcast. And yeah, I'd love to start a conversation. Perfect. I'm going to be sure to link to all of those in the show notes so that you're easy to find. Great. That is awesome. All right. Well, you thank you so much for having me. This was really a fun conversation. I hope that your listeners get a lot out of it and start making reels. I'm sure, I'm sure that they will. <laughs> thank you so much, Brandy. Of course. Thank you. You just listened to an episode of Sustainable Photography. Please share this episode with a photographer you care about. 